Welcome to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. I'm your host, Tracy Poffenroth Prado. This podcast is all about reactive attachment disorder, or RAD. I'm going to be talking with parents who will be sharing their experiences of what it's like raising a child with RAD. It gets raw and it gets real. I'm also going to be talking with experts from different areas who will be sharing information about RAD, resources, and support. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Uh, Today, you're going to meet a trauma specialist and a therapist, Joe Dennis. Joe is a licensed clinical mental health counselor with specialized training in the treatment of trauma. He's also the clinical director of mindful counseling in Utah. Joe has been practicing in Utah since 2012, and he utilizes revolutionary approaches to provide his clients with new, empowering, and refreshing experiences in counseling. Joe loves working with teens and adults. He has a master's degree in mental health counseling and a bachelor degree in clinical psychology. Joe has also studied meditation and mindfulness for over a decade in traditional Tibetan forms, as well as modernized clinical variations. Joe blends unique meditative practices and philosophy with highly sought after techniques such as EMDR, brain spotting, dream analysis, and CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy to create insightful, inspired, and lasting impacts with his clients. Joe, I'm so glad to have found you and to meet you. Welcome to the podcast. It's my pleasure. Glad to meet you too. It's great. Uh, I'm so glad to always have somebody who can offer insight and expertise to our listeners. For sure. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about you, who you are. How did you get started? You work with your therapist, you work in the world of trauma. How do you get there? Uh, So very common question that I get is how to get into the psych field did i always want to be a therapist things like that and the answer is i didn't want to get into this field (laughs) i actually i've been told from a very young age that i should be good in this field and i would say no like (laughs) therapies for saps Uh uh and kind of a long story short here uh i had lots of symptoms in my teens that i just thought were part of being a teenager but turns out I had PTSD. It's always interesting when I'm talking with clients, uh, especially as they are reflecting on their past, where they will say the same kind of conclusions that I have of like, I can't believe I thought that was a normal thing to have or a normal symptom to be going through. Right. Uh, So for instance, uh, the one I always like to kind of make fun of is that I, my sister loved to watch CSI. Okay. And as soon as the music would start, I would start going into a panic attack. Ah. Uh, I didn't, at the time, I just thought I hated CSI. Right. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> I was just, I was triggered. Uh, so it, this led to a lot of anger issues. Uh, I would, I would actually black out. Uh, I'd have little, some rage episodes. Right. Uh, things would be broken. People would be broken. It's uh, it was an issue, and that got me not to seek therapy. Uh, that actually got me <laughs> to seek meditation because remember, therapy's for saps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I studied meditation very formally for uh, 
well, actually quite a few years, but a couple years into it, uh, it stopped being effective for what I needed it uh, to treat. So it, it helped with my anger. But as the anger really resolved, there were these other symptoms that appeared, such as you know, flashbacks. Uh, right. Those became much more intense. Uh, suicidality, that increased. All those depressive symptoms increased. So yeah, meditation didn't cure it. It just made me more aware of things. That ultimately got me to sacrifice my ego, let it go. <laughs> Fine. I'll go see a therapist. That's when I got diagnosed with PTSD. Okay. Uh, and I, and I went through treatment myself. Right. How uh, old were you at that time when you finally kind of oh, gave into therapy? So probably 19. Okay. Yeah. Right around there. And this was while I was in college. Uh, originally I was going the pre-med route. Okay. Uh, I had taken coursework in biotechnology and it just so happened. It was, it was, it was a very pivotal moment for me as I was working with my therapist. We saw that I really needed a, a, an identity shift, mm -hmm. uh, out of what I thought I needed to be and into what I was really driven by. Gotcha. Uh, there's a quote uh, by, uh, what is his name? <laughs> Robin Williams played him, uh, Patch Adams. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a quote by Patch Adams that really did it for me. He said that clowns and doctors are alike in that both seek to elevate possibility and decrease suffering. Mm, I love that. And that was, that was very moving for me because I was able to see in that moment, it really didn't matter if I went the medical route, or if I went into psychology, the mission stayed the same. Right. So right. that's when I got into my field. And because I had done my own work, uh, I was able to relate more directly with yeah. my clients. I uh, also, I mean, I knew where the hiccups tended to fall with, right. uh, with different trauma approaches. And from there, it was just a lot of luck. Uh, the supervisors I scored, uh, the internships I got, they all required a degree of trauma work. And so uh, by the time I finished all my education, I probably could have argued I was a trauma specialist at that moment. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Just things led you that way without you really looking for it. Wow. So, so PTSD from watching CSI. Oh, no, no, no. No, uh, the, the PTSD was from stuff much earlier on. Oh, okay. Just, gotcha. You know, just to clarify. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it brought it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I can give you, I don't, I don't want to run the risk of being like highly triggering. So I'll just say okay. there was, there was sexual assault. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So you've been through a lot and then. Yeah. And that definitely makes you more relatable. And I love that piece about um, even being able to spot the, the treatments and the little hiccups, mm -hmm. you called them. Mm -hmm. That's um, a place that most people can't come from when they're working with people. Right. 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 Yeah. So uh, where are you at now? You're at Mindful Counseling. Yeah. What kind of work do you do there? Mindful Counseling, it's, it's in Provo, Utah. We do... So the clinic formed working with eating disorders. Okay. Uh, the, the owner, Tiffany Rowe, uh, that, that is 
absolutely her specialty. I see. Uh, disordered eating, eating disorders, body image stuff. So she and I uh, go way back. My internship was at the location where she was in her associate license. Think like residency. Okay. So I was working for a practice that did more trauma work. Uh, she was doing the eating disorder work. She was looking to bring on another therapist. Tiffany is fantastic. So I wanted to go work for her. So she brought me on. And from there, we were able to uh, educate one another. She was able to do deeper work with some of the eating disorders. I was able to work with eating disorders, which was really an area I didn't have a lot of background in uh, up to that point. So our current practice, we still see a lot of uh, eating disorders and disordered eating and issues with diets, et cetera, as well as body image. But of course, we now do a lot of work with trauma, PTSD, phobias, anxiety. I I like to say it's trauma and all of its flavors. Right. (laughs) Uh, We also, uh, this, this this is hard to explain, the area in which we're located, not just Utah, but specifically Provo, Utah, uh, has a, a high density of uh, folks who are of the LDS faith. Right. Now, there's a lot of uh, movement out of that faith system in Utah, anyway. Really? Uh, and our clinic has kind of accidentally fallen into this specialization of uh, what what's called faith transition. I personally, I don't like the phrase because it sounds very dramatic. Right. I take more of a developmental model. And so I call it faith development. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So our main specialty is eating disorder, trauma, and now faith transition. Interesting. Who yeah. knew that was even a thing, really? Yes. Right? Yep. So, wow. There you go. <laughs> Good that you're there. There's a lot of things running through my head right now. You were telling me, because <laughs> yeah. I was telling you, our listeners are rad parents, but I'm always yeah. interested in, in sharing about trauma and healing because um, I know that not everybody works with children who have reactive attachment disorder, mm-hmm. but it comes from trauma. And then the parents also end up with trauma raising these of kids. Course. So can we talk about trauma? What for sure. What is trauma? Where does it come from? The early impacts, anything that yeah. you, there's no script here, just whatever yeah. you want to offer uh, with your experience about trauma. Like what, Yeah. what is it? Now I have searched multiple times to find this quote and I cannot find it anywhere. I can tell you that I am not the person to initially say this though. Okay. <laughs> so it's been said by someone that if we fully understood the impacts of trauma, the DSM, our great big diagnosing manual, would be a pamphlet. So there are so many disorders that seem to come from a place of trauma, Mm -hmm. uh, which just for a working definition, trauma is a singular event or can be ongoing, but trauma, a traumatic event is a singular event that uh, leaves a, an experience of helplessness, terror, and a sense of confusion. Gotcha. Oftentimes, much of the work that I'm doing with clients around trauma is trying to find a way to resolve the trauma itself, whether that is uh, creating a meaning 
behind the trauma. Like why essentially, why did this happen? Mm -hmm. Uh, or giving it some sort of purpose. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. Gotcha. Well, and at the clinic you're at, one of the things that I loved was that you have other, it's not just counseling, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you do the counseling piece. You work with Mm -hmm. people therapeutically one-on-one and I saw that there's some group stuff, but the studio piece of it, you have yeah. other things. Talk about that. Yeah. COVID definitely uh, <laughs> put a bit of a kibosh on this, but I we bet. are getting this wrapped back up, like going again. So workshops, that's a big one. We, we do a lot of education for the public. Uh, right. We also do this through webinars. Right. Uh, we offer yoga classes. We do meditations. Yeah. Uh, we've done sound baths. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's see. Oh, uh, what, what is it called? A uh, somatic movement therapy, yes. uh, which is fascinating. seems to have some nice juicy research behind it. Right. And is yeah. that because the trauma being stored in the body? That's the, yeah, the philosophy. So what is the somatic therapy is what was it called somatic somatic movement movement okay every everyone that uses that well that conducts that approach will have kind of their own takes on it right uh some of it this gets a little out of my turf uh (laughs) some of it is i believe it's called mnri i could not tell you what that stands for uh if you want to google it go ahead uh, but if I remember correctly, that is more dealing with reflexes and uh, mimicking initial movements of uh, development. Gotcha. So kind of going from crawling to standing positions and right. such. Okay. Uh, in general, somatic movement or somatic uh, therapy is just going to be incorporating sensations within the body and doing something with those sensations. Interesting. Yeah. And the yoga piece, the movement. Yeah. Did I see that there's something called theriyaki? Oh yes. Theriyaki. <laughs> yes. That? that sounds oh, so great. This, this was, uh, this was Tiffany's creation. Uh, so <laughs> this is karaoke in a therapeutic setting. So, so fun. you can, you can do this in several different ways. You can, I, I've, I've done this with teenagers where I'll have them pick songs that uh, represent different parts of their life or where they are now. And so in theriyaki, they just, you know, sing them. Right. And so there is an expressive element to that. This is also, uh, it's a handy little exposure exercise. Mm. Uh, I like to say, if you can be comfortable with the possibility of embarrassment, there is very little that can stop you. Isn't that the truth? Oh, I just got goosebumps. I love that because I was going to ask you how receptive are people to that? (laughs) Most people don't even like karaoke, but I love the idea of it. And just reading about how you're integrating so many other things along with the therapy. Like when I was reading that, you know, you, you guys are more cutting edge or current, I would say with, with your treatments, right? It's not just to be as, uh, as cutting edge as possible. Psychology is one of those areas that can get a little outdated. Yes. I've gotten crap for saying this. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say this because it's kind of inflammatory. And uh, (laughs) I've I've gotten gotten some great hate mail on this. Uh, So CBT, 
that's cognitive behavior therapy, REBT, rational emotive behavior therapy, even DBT, all the other BTs, they're outdated. Gotcha. Yeah, it's they are fantastic for certain things, but uh, not for trauma. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's important in, uh, you know, my background with healthcare too, is I think that's what makes a great clinician, to be honest, mm-hmm. or a great therapist is when you can recognize that something is past its time, it means that you're keeping up and right. And, and that's going to help your, your clients a lot better and that there still might be a piece, but you also have the skill to know when it is useful and when it's not right. 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 So I think that's actually a real, a real positive. And especially when, when you're in that place that you can identify that, Mm -hmm. I think that makes you a better clinician. That's just my opinion. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm, yeah, you're not going to disagree, right? <laughs> so, um, tell me you, when we were chatting before we got started, uh, I was telling you about, you know, our listeners are mostly mm-hmm. rad parents and people living a life in reactive attachment disorder. Right. Um, you were talking about your aunt and yeah. yeah and she's a foster mom. Yeah. Foster parent. Shout out to Janet. Hi, Janet. Uh, yeah, she is an amazing individual. Uh, that <laughs> all you parents out there that have kids with Rad, you are you are saints. Uh, that that is a special sort of parenting that you have to employ. Right, with a uh, capital S. Yeah, uh-huh. very special. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My my aunt uh, and uncle raised three of their own. And they have since fostered, I couldn't even tell you how many uh, kids with RAD. Really? Um, Yeah. And so I don't know if this is something that every state does, but they're out in Missouri. And uh, in Missouri, I guess you can specialize as a foster parent. So they've done trainings uh, in parenting, uh, doing foster parenting for kids with RAD. Uh, they've adopted four, uh, four of those kids. Wow. Yeah. Wow. One of the things I think that's interesting because it does vary state to state on all levels, but what often happens in the system is that, um, whether it's international or domestic, the reactive attachment piece is still, um, not really explained or right. And there's not a lot of support for parents. So it's really interesting that that's a place where there is a lot of support so much so that they've even adopted. I think that's Mm -hmm. a great, Mm -hmm. just in my mind rolling around. Um, and as a rad parent myself, I think that's a positive. We don't often hear hopeful stories or hopeful outcomes. There's some, but, that's such a different perspective of a foster family that had all of the supports and now they're, I'm guessing they adopted. It must be a successful situation with these kids that have reactive attachment disorder. Yeah. So it's just kind of a kudos to when you do get the right supports or you have supports that it's possible to kind of live a, a better life. Absolutely. Those kids. Yeah. 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 And you, have you worked with any, you were talking about maybe a little bit, you've worked with some adults adults with rad. I've, uh, in my, in my history. So I have, I have a history of many, many (laughs) different jobs. Uh, so briefly 
Yeah. Uh, like about, well, I guess a couple of years. I did behavioral assistance in an elementary school. And then I taught sixth grade at that school for a year. Right. Uh, so when it comes to working with kids with RAD, there were two children at that school. So it's kind of limited. That was rough. That was before my master's even. Uh, so you worked with them in a school setting as a teacher. Oy. Yep. Wow. And that yep. was rough. What made it rough? I mean, oh, I kind of know, but I just want to hear your perspective. They have that, uh, that oppositional defiant side. And so you have to be on your toes constantly, uh, constantly watching to see when they're going to oppose you mm. and then providing them an alternative with the same outcome. Right. That was exhausting. I that was exhausting. Bet. And I would also be so thrilled that I had outsmarted a second grader. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're always waiting for that next moment. Right? Oh, yeah. It's kind of planning and just yeah. brilliant. But yeah, boy. I know. But in, in my clinical practice, I've worked with just a handful of adults with reactive right. attachment. The good news, I've been fortunate enough uh, as a clinician that the uh, folks with RAD that I've treated have gone through a history of treatment. So they are relatively stable right. when, when they're coming to work with me. Usually uh, they're coming in because they're having interpersonal like relationship issues or issues with work mixed with, of course, the general symptoms of PTSD. Right, right. Well, I think it's impressive that a child that grew up with rad now being an adult, I think that's a sign in itself when they're coming and seeking out therapy. Yeah. So who, who do you love to work with? Who, what's your, oh, yeah. you know, unique, special things, Joe, I know that you haven't, uh, I have to tell everybody about your Instagram page. Oh yeah, for sure. It's joedennis.councils. Is yep. that right? Yeah. Yep. It's so great. That's how I found Joe. And so I just want to tell people uh, to, to check him out there too. Cause you're always giving advice and little snippets and fun things. And then you can meet him. You can see him. Yeah. Uh, you can also, it's the same, same name on TikTok. If you want to jump on there. Oh, right. TikTok. Yep. See, I'm a little older. I'm just discovering. You're good. TikTok. You're good. I, I have only gotten on there relatively recently. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a rabbit hole. You can go so. down. <laughs> Yes. Right? I have That's so many funny. dog videos. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you love working yes. with and what's your like special flair? Well, I like to say that therapists, uh, were kind of egotistical and we like to treat ourselves. <laughs> uh, so if I were to pick a singular client to work with over and over and over, it would be guys in their like, early twenties, maybe to mid twenties that, uh, have PTSD. And this sounds awful coming out of my mouth, but ideally, uh, from, uh, sexual assault, sexual abuse, right. Right. Childhood trauma. I thoroughly enjoy working with yeah. now that said, that is actually a minority of my clients. Uh, right. I I'd say the majority, uh, they're definitely the majority are women, Trauma history is definitely very prevalent with my clients, uh, whether it's PTSD or not, that, that varies a bit. Lots of anxiety disorders yeah. uh, that I do work with. I also seem to 
draw a lot of uh, entrepreneurial minded folks. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So a lot of type A, uh, yeah. I, I seem to do well with. Gosh, <laughs> high strung, go, go, go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, I, I have several clients who are originally from like New York city or oh, wow. Chicago, right. like bigger city areas. So talking about that, like parents who are raising kids with rad, a lot of times when the child's in the home and I don't know if you can answer this, but they're in crisis. And I find that Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard for people to feel like they're already dealing with so much in their home. Mm -hmm. So to even try and begin to take care of themselves or pull out of that. Yeah. Is, is there a way, or is there an ideal time for therapy? You know, I find that usually when the crisis is over, people seek it out, but it's really in the crisis where people need Uh it. And Uh so how do you, do you find that? And, and is it possible to pull, you know, just thinking of parents that are in it, they need help too. And how yeah. do you, but they'll be the first to tell you, including myself, I don't, you know, I can't, what, what would happen if I left this or did this or things mm-hmm. would fall apart. So when you're, you know, drowning, how do you, you know, reach out or what? Yes. How do you breathe if you're underwater? Yeah. 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 I get that. (laughs) Uh, So depending on where you are and what's going on, therapy should differ. So if you're in the midst of chaos, you should not be doing trauma therapy. Okay. Uh, This is actually a very common mistake I've seen clinicians do uh, where they, they get a client coming in. They want EMDR for trauma and the therapist just jumps right in doing a trauma approach. Okay. So I want you to just picture this, just just go with a a logical perspective here. Maybe your child or children have terrorized you earlier that morning. You were able to get them to school or to, to whatever day program. You get to your therapist and they're saying, okay, let's talk about and let's go through and sort and process all of the trauma that's in your past, not even from this morning. Gotcha. How do you think you'd feel after that session? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you're doing trauma work, you really like by the, by the time you're doing trauma work, you should be at a semi-stable place. So what this means is that if you are in the midst of chaos, right. you really need more triage. You need more grounding exercises, breathing exercises. You need meditation. Right. Uh, you need support groups. That is huge for parents. Support groups are a massive assistance. Like podcasts like this uh, help with that. Interesting. So you need the tools just in those moments yeah, to absolutely. get you by and <clears throat> kind of mm-hmm. keep you regulated through that until right. you can yeah, be ready for therapy. Right. So, I mean, given a therapist should be giving you those tools as well. Right. Like different, uh, there are what we call top down and bottom up approaches. Top down are usually what people think of when it comes to therapy, like uh, a cognitive reframe. So one of those might be a dispute. Uh, Maybe you say this always happens to me and a reframe might be, it happens to me sometimes. Gotcha. That'd be a top-down approach, thinking okay. through something, uh, understanding things in a more 
cognitive yes. way. Yeah. Uh, actually, one that I adore, I argued with my therapist for probably half an hour <laughs> on this one. It's in this moment, are you 100% safe? This is something that when we're in like an anxious mess, we, we go, no, I am not. <laughs> uh, so when you say no, yeah. you have to look at, okay, well, what is threatening me? And if you're like me, you might say to your therapist, uh, well, you could stand up and attack me. And then, then my therapist may or may not have said, <laughs> it's like, well, do you see me standing? Exactly. Yeah. I said, no. Do you see me like brandishing a knife? I'm like, no. <laughs> do you see me even like flinching or looking aggressive? I'm like, no. She goes, so is that a legitimate fear right now? Well, no. But there could be an electrical fire. She goes, okay, well, do you smell smoke? No. Do you see sparks? No. Do you see fire? No. Do you even feel hot? No. So is that a legitimate fear right now? In well, this no. moment. So in this moment, are you 100% safe? That'd be a top-down approach. Okay. Now bottom up. So more top down, yes. Uh, yeah. Top down is going to be a, a more effective uh, as your anxiety is beginning to peak okay or as it's coming down but once if you are in the mess in of it, it you're in it like yeah. in panic in a flashback uh you're not gonna think no no then there's actually good reason for that it's if we look at your brain in that moment your frontal lobe where all that logic is is it, that's shut down right the, the activity in your frontal lobe is pretty much gone Offline. and you're in yeah. your survival brain that that very like mammalian brain right so the way that you get this part of your brain to calm down so your frontal lobe can kick back into gear is with the body. So hence, bottom up. Right. Uh, so these, this is where those meditation uh, exercises, breathing exercises, just taking a moment to sigh, relax your diaphragm. Actually, and I'll give you this one. Uh, this is a very minor thing, but it's oddly effective. When you're feeling anxiety, relax your tongue, relax your diaphragm, and relax your pelvic floor. These are three muscle groups that tend to tense up very quickly when we are experiencing anxiety. So if we can relax them, A, it makes us more mindful of our body. And so we're able to right. do more. Uh, kind of grounding. B, we're able to breathe a little bit mm -hmm. more. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is, yeah, the start, uh -huh. right? That's the yes. first thing. And yeah. it's also really fun to explain to guys how to relax their pelvic floor. I was going to say, how do you? Do uh, well, I'll, I explain it the way that my therapist explained it to me. Uh, so you're on a really long road trip. You drank a lot of coffee. You really need to pee. You get into some skeezy gas station <laughs> and you get to like a urinal or a toilet and you have that. <sighs> right. right. That's your pelvic floor. Gotcha. That's a great way to explain it. And I asked that so that people can know how yeah. to do that. Right. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. Yeah. That is really, really helpful because, um, that is really helpful. My mind is just kind of taking it all in because yeah. that's, yeah. When you're in the moment, you're right. You're, you're shut off and it's just, you just need those immediate things to help you. Mm -hmm center and calm, even if, if it's just for a few seconds, yeah. but yeah. yeah, but still seek out therapy because it's the therapist who can help you give you those tools. Right. Right. Yeah. I like to say yeah. that the, the tools are kind of like, uh, taking a lawnmower 
to all the weeds in your yard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it does a temporary benefit. This is like, this is what CBT and REBT and all the BTs are good for. Right. It's deadheading all those dandelions. Uh, but if you need to dig them up, you got to do deeper work. I see. So yeah. this is EMDR. Uh, my personal favorite. Yeah. Brain spotting. What is that? I read that and uh, I have no idea what that is. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. Uh, brain spotting uh, comes out of a combination of EMDR and somatic experiencing. So the creator of it, he, he had uh, been practicing both of these approaches for a number of years and had okay. been working with, uh, I believe, primarily athletes. And just through some minor experimentation, he came up with brain spotting. Interesting. Uh, now, this, I, this was the kicker for me. This is actually what got me to uh, get you know, a certific- certification in it. Uh, so after the Sandy Hook shooting, mm. lots of different clinicians with different modalities came and did work with the parents and children. Okay. And the Sandy Hook community then did a follow-up study, what's called a Confederate study. So the therapist didn't know this was going on. And they interviewed all the parents and children asking uh, what was most effective with you. And for adults, brain spotting was number one. Wow. EMDR, I believe was number six or seven. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Somatic experiencing was also up there. I think that was like three or four. Right. Now with kids, this is also a very important point. I think Mm -hmm. Uh, equine therapy was number one. Mm -hmm. Brain spotting, I think was four. Yeah. Wow. And of uh, course, yeah, it would yeah. be different for kids and adults, right? Honestly, I think if more adults did equine therapy, they probably would prefer it even to really? brain spotting. Brain spotting is a little bit more convenient I see. Uh, and it can be done virtually. Equine can't. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> At least not to my knowledge. No. Uh, but I've, I've gotten to experience equine uh, therapy and it is fascinating. It is yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. You get to play with a gigantic animal. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see any like negatives to it. No. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> so it sounds like this guy with brain spotting. And I love that. Like after working with both saw the benefits and kind of put them yeah. together and yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. So wow. And you can uh, do it virtually. You said, yes, too. so yes. that's, for mm-hmm. now, I mean, we're kind of living the COVID life for uh-huh. longer than we thought, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I the both know. of my clients are actually virtual these days, and uh, so yeah, we we do yeah. brain spotting. It's a there's a light degree of exposure to it. Yeah. Uh, where EMDR tends to have a more like direct exposure. So it, it stings a little bit more. I see. Uh, okay. Personal experience. And from what my clients have said, EMDR tends to just really have one volume, which is kind of loud. Okay. Where brain spotting or BSP uh, has more of a volume control. Oh, gotcha. Now that said, I've had clients that seem to prefer EMDR. Right. Uh, so I do think it, it, it does come down to preference. Yeah. But whatever makes you feel safer is probably going to be the route you want to go. Right. Uh, with brain spotting, there's 
a little bit more finesse to it. It's a little less repetitive and you can throw more into it. So you can integrate it with like inner child work or uh, with more of a somatic experiencing. Oftentimes I toss guided imagery into the process. Nice. And that doesn't work too well with EMDR. I see. Yeah. 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 Oh, talking to you, you have a, the best analogies to, <laughs> I love people who can do that, that you have a stronger right brain than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and just the fact that you're utilizing all of these different things, but personalizing it to whoever you're working mm-hmm. with. And I know that's what therapists are supposed to do, but it doesn't always happen. And the fact that right. you guys are always looking deeper instead of that bandaid, mm-hmm. you're digging deeper to really yeah. get to the root and, and help people heal. Mm-hmm. Do you have a patient or a client that really surprised you or oh, uh, anything yeah. happens all yeah. the time? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I love it when I think I know where I'm going and I kind of hit the finale. And therefore this, and my client just goes, K (laughs) never mind. All right. On to the next thing. Let's not do that. And there's been times where uh, I've been working with a client, especially one who dissociates a lot. Hmm. Uh, That's that out of body uh, experience for those of you who don't know, uh, or it's like on a light level, it's uh, getting out of body or disconnecting with the body and a more intense level. It is fully not recalling. So it's, it's like a blackout or it is losing track of what is real or who it, or who people are. Right. So folks who are dissociating, which happens with trauma. Yes. Uh, you need to be more careful with as a therapist. I, I hate doing EMDR with those clients. It right. triggers them and they're, and then when someone dissociates, they're gone, they're gone. Right. And I was going to say, I've heard that you have to be very delicate, very careful with mm-hmm. that because it could go the wrong way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's been times where I, I think we're all good and I just happen to say the wrong thing and they're out. Gotcha. Uh, and so then over the next like five, 10 minutes, I'm just helping them kind of bring it back, ground themselves, get back in their body. Yeah. Yeah. So with rad therapy, it's always family-based. So the one-on-one doesn't work because there's a lot of, it just doesn't work. You need the whole, it's a family kind of disorder. Mm -hmm. So do you see these things working from a, a therapy perspective what are your thoughts on integrating those things into a family setting, working with kids and yeah. families? Yeah. Or do you know it's okay if you don't, because rad is such a, yeah, it's a world. I have a working understanding of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right. With, with kids in general, it tends to be better to take a, a system approach. So altering the way the family is altering the way the school is uh the various systems that the kids right. are right. uh as much as possible yeah some, some teachers don't want to do anything yeah <laughs> it's hard yeah, yeah right yeah. right everybody in their own world has their piece that they're dealing with whether it's exactly. a classroom of kids and so to just focus on one or the family you know everybody is every place is kind of in crisis mode and then trying to integrate all of those things into one and working yeah. together. It is exhausting. It's, yeah, it's tough. And yeah. I can only imagine like the class I yeah. taught it was, it was the, the largest it was, was 10. 
Uh, I can't imagine teaching wow. 30. I know. It's I know. Bravo. Uh, so anyway. Yeah. Uh, yes. So much of the work I've seen when it comes to families is talking about uh, effective parenting techniques, a lot in communication and boundary setting, right. uh, especially with RAD uh, or ODD. Right. Uh, it's super, super painfully consistent boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was something I was even amazed with uh, just watching my aunt do her parenting. Uh, it was like psychic powers. Wow. Catching, <laughs> catching <laughs> these kids beginning to start something manipulative. Right. Like stuff that any like, average kid you know it's like oh well they're just you know they're just being a kid they're they're playing it nope yeah no this is a rad kid yeah different different. you know it's so true they're so different there's so much more behind it yeah yeah Yeah. well i'm so glad your aunt has such uh support and skill and i think all our listeners are going to want to move to missouri now (laughs) yeah (laughs) and get the same kind of supports or yeah, yeah. I talk with Janet Richardson. Just hit her up. <laughs> I don't <laughs> you can find her. Yeah, everything's fine. Right. Uh, now, as for I can tell you more about adults. Yeah. That, that's where I have a little bit more footing. Because so that's if, an interesting thing. Like a lot of us wonder what happens to our kids, yeah. or if you know, because some do get the help they need, but mm-hmm. like everything, there's just not enough. It's catching. It can't catch up. The amount of kids with reactive attachment disorder and the Mm -hmm. amount of therapists that treat it and know how to treat it to the point that they can heal. It's so mismatched, like it's way behind. And so, um, you know, a lot of these kids do move into adulthood with rad and Mm -hmm. parents always wonder what, what does that look like for them? What, what can they do? What happens? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great perspective. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll confess if, uh, if this client hears this, she'll, she'll laugh. My first adult rad client that I had, she, oh, she read me like a book. Uh, <laughs> all of you know that yeah. uh, being read. <laughs> uh, so I was doing my basically, you know, intake assessment and she, I asked her about her psychiatric history. Has she worked with a therapist, any diagnoses? And she says, oh yeah, I was diagnosed with, with reactive attachment disorder. And I had some kind of tell uh, I made some kind of face like, oh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't that session. I think it was the next one that she very, actually very appropriately confronted me on it. And I had to be like, well, <laughs> yep. Uh, this is my experience. Right. <laughs> a little out of my turf. And that honestly, that was very damaging. It was very mm-hmm. damaging for the rapport. Yeah. Uh, she was very patient. Uh, and we, we were able to do some good work, but yeah, I've watched my face a little bit more, uh, since then. And I've gotten myself a little better educated for, for these cases. So anyway, with, (laughs) with these adults who have rad, uh, as I mentioned before, it's usually they're coming in with patterns of issues in relationships and in work, uh, I, I know on your podcast, you've talked with folks who do work with attachment stuff. Right. So those of you who are listening, if you've not listened to the attachment stuff, 
go back and listen to those because that gets much more into what I'm talking about here. Gotcha. Okay. Boundary setting is huge, but also with red, there's a, I have to typically do a lot more pushing around. Why is this a boundary? Is it an, is it an appropriate boundary? I see. Uh, so an analogy I frequently give will be a, a terrible blueprint. I'll draw it out on my like whiteboard. Think of a house that has a, has a front porch, has a like front room, a connected to this is a living room, connected to this is a dining room, connected to that is a kitchen, connected to that is a bedroom with a closet. So then you can logically think of who's allowed on your front porch, not in your house. Like, well, the salesman. Right. Right. <laughs> and so think about how much information you are willing to tell this person about yourself. How much do they already know about you? And then you repeat this for the various rooms of your house. Uh, who would you sit down and hang out with? That'd be living room. Who would you, uh, I like to say, eat food that you don't eat on a first date. So like, right. you know, ribs. Mm-hmm. All the messy <laughs> stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who are you comfortable eating that food with? Uh, and then in the kitchen, who would see you, who would you be okay with like watching you burn food and cut your hand into the salad and still eat the food because they love you? Right. <laughs> right. So I bring this up very commonly with, yeah. with my clients in general uh, yeah. because boundaries, is, it's a very common discussion. Yeah. Folks with RAD, I'm having to script it a little bit more usually. So I like to say they either have a studio apartment Mm. when we're drawing it out. It's like (laughs) you have a door and that's it. So it's all just free game. Right. Or they have a front room that has no door to the rest of the house. So it's very surfacey or it's wide open. Right. So they need to have a little bit more scripting around this much information is appropriate for this type of relationship. Who do you want to be closer with? How do you work to that level of intimacy? Mm. Right. So it's making things a little bit more gradual, looking for gray area. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's also a lot of work that I do is stepping out of the, that extreme thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think some parents have the extreme thinking because of their trauma too. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I just think it's so good to, yeah, to step in and get help right away. That's really interesting. Cause I always think of two boundaries for parents. We're always having to, I think it's hard for everybody in life personally. Boundaries are uh, tough, right? Yeah. Um, some yeah. people are really good at them, but I think most, uh, right. Mm-hmm. So as parents, I'm always thinking, but yeah, the, the kids too, that's an interest or as an adult rad, person with reactive attachment Mm -hmm. disorder, Mm -hmm. I can see that. And I'm not surprised that the relationships and the work, because the work is even kind of a different type of relationship, right? But that's their nemesis for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What, um, what's your favorite success story in your career? Oh, I'm sure you have many. Shoot. My favorite. You're making me choose or, a favorite of my I know, clients. I know. Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe take away favorite. I like that. But no, yeah. what is what is one like the most yeah. surprising or something where you're just like, wow, I, yeah. uh, I never thought this would happen. <laughs> let's see. I was, this was a while back. I was working with this kid. He'd come in with, uh, so PTSD, 
he also had uh what is it called uh oh fetal alcohol syndrome oh yeah okay yeah i was like infant alcohol (laughs) what is it yeah fetal alcohol syndrome uh so there were some even some like learning delays and that kind of thing he came in no job uh almost uh, kicked out of his house. This was like the condition. It, it's if he, he could stay in his house uh, if he attended therapy. So he, so he was not someone that actively wanted mm-hmm. to be in therapy. <laughs> and uh, at several points, he was even suicidal. Uh, wow. He was actually my first client to attempt suicide. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> that was... He grew me real good. Uh-huh. So we did quite a number of different approaches with him. I'd say, honestly, the biggest shifts, the things I was most impressed with were the movements from, you know, I'm probably going to end up dying. Just, I don't know why I'm really even attending, right. not really invested to him trying things out and saying that actually worked. Like, Wow. So I would see these little glimmers of excitement mm-hmm. that would appear. And even when it came to the trauma work, he would, uh, him especially, he, he would typically leave the session kind of inspired by where he was versus mm-hmm. where he is. Right. He could see it mm-hmm. or sense it. Yeah. In wow. inner child work, we actually will, will refer to looking for glimmers, which is the moments of your past where uh, you felt safe, inspired, uh, right. um, expressed. Mm. And so he, he got very skilled at picking those out. And this very creative person just bloomed. Wow. Uh, so yeah, he was a, he was a uh, successful termination, which I, I don't like the term termination, termination, I know, but yeah, he, he, he graduated treatment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, last, last I talked with the kid, he, he was actually having a career, not just wow. a job even. Yeah. And he was able to integrate his kind of creative spark into his, uh, it, it's engineering. Uh, wow. So he was, he was able to bring creativity into that. He was in a healthy relationship from what he yeah. was describing anyway. Right, right. Uh, and they had gotten an apartment. So wow, uh, that must feel so good. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's it's always an honor uh, when I'm working with a client, but it's very rewarding when I when I see those type of movements. Yeah, that you've helped for sure. So people can recover heal from their trauma. Absolutely. Uh, I actually, I like to say, so I had been diagnosed with PTSD, but if I were to go see a therapist these days, I wouldn't fit the criteria. Right. So like the last time that I had a noticeable panic attack, Mm -hmm. uh, it would have been years ago. Okay. I don't have flashbacks anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can watch CSI. I don't like it. Yeah. But I can watch it. And get through it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. now it's actually just preference. It's not a panic. Right. Yeah. Uh, not I can a actually trigger. sleep through the night. So no mm-hmm. insomnia. Uh, I don't get nightmares anymore. Oh, don't even get me started on night terrors. I would have those. Wow. If you've ever heard of shadow people? I had those. Yes. Ugh. Ugh. 
Those are that awful. Sounds I haven't experienced that, but it sounds yeah terrifying. Oh, they're they're the worst. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe occasionally, depending on the day, I might have uh, a bump up on some anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but not nothing. nothing, nothing compared to where I was in college. Yeah. Absolutely. Not. Yeah. yeah. And the earlier you can get help, no matter where you're at, yep. right? Would you say yep. is, yeah, early intervention, yeah. even for if you're an adult, right? Yeah. Like just the and earlier. What we know, what we know is if you've been through something traumatic mm-hmm. and you complete treatment for it, your resiliency, so your chance of being traumatized by something else, uh, your resiliency is far higher, far higher than someone who had never been traumatized. Right. So let that register. This this technically means the best thing you can do to help your child experience higher resiliency is traumatize them early. And then put them in therapy. I know. (laughs) Please don't actually do that. But uh, yeah. But yeah. 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 If, If you can if you can get some work done on your trauma, yeah, uh, on your traumatic symptoms, you are going to be better off than someone who had never been traumatized. Right. That's an amazing thing. We actually that call really that is. post-traumatic growth. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a thing. Yes. yes. Can you, what, can you describe that a little bit just to. Oh, it, I mean, it, it very much depends on the person, what it looks like, but it is, uh, I've heard the analogy of it's kind of that idea of being forged in fire. Right. Uh, So you are, you are broken down by your trauma Mm -hmm. and you're made into something new through therapy. And you've, you've been able to grow from that bad experience or that traumatizing experience, or you can see that purpose and growth or move forward from, yeah, forward from it. Yeah. And even this, this always sounds weird coming out of my mouth, but actually (laughs) seeing the positive from having gone through that trauma. Now this, as a side note, this is not something that you force. This is not something that you do with like silver lining. No, no, no. This is, this is a much more visceral uh, mm-hmm. process that you have to go through. This isn't right. just like a new label that you slap on there. Right. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about parents and, mm-hmm. you know, I've, um, talked with some parents who don't even realize when they're raising kids with special needs or reactive attachment disorder. I mean, you're, you're so immersed in it. I kind of describe it like you end up on this hamster wheel and you're spinning, 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 but you don't even, if you look back, you don't even remember how or when you got on, you've just always been on yeah. and then that's what you're used to. And so to get off is really scary. And so, yeah. and, and, or you don't even know you're on it. So I, I think that there are some parents out there that don't even know how this is affecting them. Yeah. absolutely right so step one in treatment is always awareness yeah because you're not gonna be able to change anything you're unaware of right right so what what happens i mean i guess they just need a moment to have that first awareness to even be able to move forward yeah Yeah. breathe more uh look for moments of enjoyment Mm -hmm. uh and thoroughly like entrench yourself in those little snippets and cultivate those. See if you can make them part of your schedule. Do so. Uh, right. Relationships 
very commonly get torn up uh, by uh, by kids, but yeah. especially by kids who have mental health disorders. Right. So you need to have people in your court and you need to nourish those relationships. So yeah. date nights, make them happen. I don't care how. Thank Do you. It. Yeah. Not Those optional groups. Yeah. Uh, lean on people who, who can relate to you, right. uh, or at least can sympathize. Right. Uh, the support groups you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Delegate. I can't, don't yeah. be a, don't be a martyr. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not noble. The downside of being a martyr is you die. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Do, do your own boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll be able to pick up a little bit more energy to do things for yourself, for your relationship so that you can be a more functional parent. Right. Cause that helps the situation. Absolutely. Right. Or at least helps you. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm so glad we talked. Is there anything else you feel burning inside of you that you want to say or share or that I didn't know enough to ask? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you on this. There okay. is, there is always hope. Mm. There are no problems. There are only puzzles. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your expertise. I love your analogies that gets in my brain really easily. And I know other people and, and for your tips. Yeah. Yeah. And if people want to get in touch with you, Joe, so you, I'm just going to reiterate, you have an Instagram page and I'll post this all on my Facebook page, but it's joedennis.councils. That's Mm -hmm. Instagram. Do you have a Facebook page or is that your two? Joe Dennis. Okay. Yep. So just Google yep. Joe Dennis, really <laughs> Utah. Yeah. Or mindful if, you, if you want, you can, you can email me. That's Joe at mindfulcounselingutah.com. And we're in the States. So it's counseling with one L. Okay. Right. <laughs> I did do that. Actually. I'm Canadian originally. So I did oh, the double so am I, L. Actually. Are you yeah. where from British Columbia? Kamloops. Oh, oh Kamloops. Yeah. yeah. I'm from Calgary. So oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeehaw. I was wondering, you know, what's funny is I thought your accent sounded, I was going to guess you were from the Southern United States. Oh, it's, I'm a mess. My, my parents are from Missouri. And so sometimes I chew my words. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Ah, well, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. I know it's going to be a huge help to people and it's just been really fun to meet you. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.